Welcome back to Snaresbrook Prep Uncovered, the podcast where we talk with staff, pupils and parents to understand more about life at the school. Now, each episode, I'm joined by Ralph Dalton, head teacher at the school, and together we speak to a guest. So it's a bit of a three way conversation. Now, in this episode, we're speaking to Simon Marshall, who is the head at Bancroft School. But first of all, Ralph, how are you doing today? Yeah, I'm great. Thanks, Simon. As I said before, I, I, you know, I, I love these opportunities to chat to interesting colleagues and hear their take on school and school life. And I'm particularly looking forward to this, you know, as, as Bancroft's are one of the schools that we feed and parents, our parents are really interested in. It's, it's really, yeah, I'm really excited to, to hear from Simon directly. It's not often you get the chance to hear you know, the head at one of these schools speak. So um, I'm very, very grateful to him for giving us his time. And I imagine there's a number of schools that the children might go on to when they leave Snaresbrook. But why are we talking to Simon at Bancroft today? Like I say, partly it's it's one of our three local through schools. So it is, it's, it's an obvious choice to consider. It has a very well-established reputation. I think Simon is doing some really interesting things and moving the school forward in interesting ways. And I just, I think if I haven't said it before, my my aim for these podcasts is just to enable parents to hear people speak about their schools because you really want to look for that fit for your child. And part of that fit will also come from the sort of school's ethos, which is in a big way driven by the head themselves. And... And again, you get to hear real high quality tips on, you know, what, what should you as a parent be thinking about in terms of just educating your child more broadly? How can you help your child get the most out of the educational opportunities, you know, no matter what their age, you know, if they're, if they're preschool, what ideas underpin their success when they get to primary? And likewise, when they're at primary, what's going to underpin their success at secondary? And then obviously, as you move on to university or tertiary education, so... It's, it's just, it's just a, an absolute privilege to share sort of 20, 30 minutes with these people. So, I'm, yeah, I'm really excited to hear what Simon's got to say. Well, I'm glad you are because I've just got a notification that he's arrived. So I'll bring him in and he can join our conversation right now. Awesome. Simon, thank you for being here and welcome to this episode of the podcast. How are you doing today? Yeah, I'm very good. Bit of a damp Friday morning, but we're, we're, we're hoping things will improve. How does a typical Friday normally look for you in that case? Well, I had my usual cycle up the road to Bancroft from Walthamstow, which uh, is, is, is always a, a, a pleasant journey through sort of the leafy forest. You ask about a usual Friday, I suppose I would say there's no such thing as a usual day. Each day can, can bring with it a few predictable things like meetings with various people and also some unpredictable things uh, at any time. Today we are interviewing for a new head of English, so I'm going to be speaking to three candidates uh, which is always fun, um, interviewing prospective teachers. It's probably you know, that as well as recruiting students. Those are the two most important parts uh, of any school to make sure that we really get really amazing teachers who are going to inspire the children in the future. So that's, that's a really fun thing today. Uh, at lunchtime, I have something a bit like this, although actually I appear on screen as I, I run on my Friday webinars for parents and I can pretty much guarantee that one of the questions today will be the recent announcement or the announcement yesterday evening by Ofqual about contingency plans for exams next summer. So um, we're still, you know, living with the consequences of COVID and 
certainly the government's announcement um, through Ofqual yesterday, I'm not entirely certain, has reassured many of us about the plan B that's in place. And apart from that, Friday also, uh, every other Friday, we have a fish lunch at Bancroft. So that's always something to look forward to on a Friday. Very good. I mean, Fridays are fantastic for that kind of school lunch, of course. Now, we're recording this online, naturally, and you're coming to us from your office. Just tell us a little bit, for the sake of the listener, how your office looks and how it feels and, and what you can see around you right now. Well, at the moment, I, I'm, as I've spent much of the last 18 months staring at a screen, but behind me, there's a row of bookshelves. Reading is a particularly important thing to me, and I, I would say is the, a, a, a fundamental of all learning, really. So I actually don't have space at home for all the books that I have. So I, I keep a lot of books here. So, yeah, you'd, you'd come in, the first thing you'd see was a, a, whole, a whole wall of books, as well as that, I have a large refectory table, which was sort of, which used to be in the dining hall. I've got some nice south-facing windows, and just outside my door, I've got this lovely fig tree that, at the moment, hasn't quite dropped its leaves and is giving off a really lovely figgy scent, which I think many people would like to bottle and turn into a candle. We should be, probably be marketing Bancroft fig candles for Christmas or something like that. What a great idea. Before we get into the, the heart of this uh, podcast recording, I'd love to just ask, what was the last decent book that you read? What's the last decent book? Well, there was a book that recently won the Woman's Prize for Fiction by Susanna Clarke, uh, which is a book that she, I think she had a nearly nearly a 20-year wait between novels. And she came out with a book called Piranesi recently, which is absolutely fascinating. It starts in a world you can't work out whether you're in the past, whether you're in the future, an alternative world. It's driven by a very powerful voice in it, uh, the character Piranesi trying to, trying to work out, in a sense, where, where he is. And it's a really thought-provoking, I think it sort of touches on various ideas of philosophy. It's inspired by some of the fiction of the Argentinian writer Jorge Luis Borges, who's I think, a great favourite of mine. So I, I enjoyed that very, very much indeed. In fact, if you keep asking me about books, obviously we just had half term. So uh, I, I spent much of half term reading, so I, I, I could probably bore, bore on for quite some time about good books. But, but that's particularly thought-provoking and enjoyable. Well, it sounds like one for the list, and I'm very impressed at your pronunciation of that name in there as well. Uh, I won't attempt to try that myself. Simon, just tell us a little bit about how long you've been at Bancroft's and what led you to taking the job at the school. It's a very academic school, but it's a school that is far from just academic in that it, you know, and I think historically has always had a commitment to providing an amazing all-round education. I was lucky enough, I've, I've now, this is the fourth London school I've taught at. I've taught in South London when I arrived, I taught in West London, I was head of English at King's College School in Wimbledon. Then I moved to UCS in Hampstead. Obviously, I had my pre brief sort of midlife adventure going off to Prague for three years, which was also an academically selective, a bit like, uh, more like a kind of grammar school in Prague, and that was a bilingual school. And then Bancroft sort of completes the point of the compass to, to explore East London. And I, I'm very happy staying here. I think it's, uh, it's a really, really interesting school. There's an awful lot we've been trying to do during the last five years. We've not made quite the progress we would have liked because the last two years have been somewhat interrupted. But, yeah, Bancroft, I guess, is a school that isn't necessarily on the map outside our area. And I think one of our challenges here is, A, to really develop a really thorough 
exciting all-round education for children, and hopefully that, you know, that reputation will spread. Having said that, and something I would always say, and I guess a question I, I know that you'll probably want to ask is, you know, how do you choose between different schools? And I'm strongly in favour of localism in just the same way. For me, you know, I can get here in, well, depending on, on the Strava reading in around sort of 16 minutes if, it, if, if the traffic lights at the waterworks roundabout are going well. And I think being able to go to a local school so you don't spend a huge amount of time on commuting, so you can maximise the amount of time you've got the opportunities to go to those clubs and societies, to take part in Saturday sport. You know, when we do a CCF field weekend, so you don't have to travel in for an hour and a half just before the start of the day. I think that's really important. And I think London is uh, a really good place for most people in that transport links allow you, know, you to get to some places very, relatively quickly. But I think my, my main advice for parents is, you know, if, if you are contemplating travelling beyond, beyond 45 minutes or so, you need to have a very, very good reason why you want to go to that school. Mm. Because, you know, two hours a day of commuting, to my mind, is two hours a day or time that actually should be being spent getting involved in life at school. And also it's, it's tiring as well. And I think children's lives are increasingly pressured uh, and what we want for children is for them to flourish and and also to be able to have rest time you know and I would say time for reading time for fun time to for relaxation and if you're just all the time traveling to and from trying to squeeze every minute that can also add to its pressures as well on people mm. so mm. I think most parents have really good local choices of schools in London and hopefully that's what we are. So given what you've just said, and to use your own words, does it matter so much if you're not really on the map outside of the local area? No. In that sense, my, my priority is just to turn us into a really good school. Mm. I think we are accessible in some places where, you know, possibly we are more accessible from just across the Lee Valley than I think some people realise, and we are easily commutable within the time frame I've suggested. So, and I suppose I would say that some people who possibly live in this area and are thinking of sending their kids on the central line, you know, what, what, what are you actually committing them to through that? Mm. The other thing is, as kids grow up, they want to hang out with their friends. Mm. And if their friends are also local, I think that's also really important. It means it's really easy just to drop around, see them, to be able to, you know, go off on weekend adventures with them and do things. Uh, and that's where localism also matters. So, yeah, in, in sense, our main priority is just to be as good as we possibly can be. I don't know how you feel about this. When you arrived, the message that I sort of heard was sort of taking the excellence and that aspiration for children to, to be excellent and, and to, to achieve to a, an exceptional standard was spreading it across the curriculum range. I think Bancroft has traditionally been known in, in some specific areas for that, but really mm. spreading that across the curriculum range and giving pupils the opportunity to excel across the range. I don't know if, if, that, if my perception was correct or... Well, what we did when I arrived, we went through a huge process of staff consultation where we asked staff what their view of Bancroft's was. We also asked them, what, what do we want Bancroft's pupils to be, you know, during the first few years, going through, you know, going through GCSEs, uh, and what would we like Bancroft students to be like in the sixth form 
and then what we want what what sort of qualities would we like them to have as they approach the outside world and you know for fairly obvious reasons we are more than just a set of grades and actually you know when we look at the world that children are facing it's massively uncertain anybody you know going into the workplace now you know and becoming an adult needs to be flexible they need to adjust to huge challenges lie ahead whether it's to do with volatility in the job market whether it's to do with climate change whether it's to do with the you know new relationship that the UK is going to have with the world so what we need are adults that are able to have a good idea of where their strengths lie know what they enjoy doing be able to adapt at short notice and and flexible and therefore we in a sense try to identify what are the kind of values that should be the grounding point of our education. I mean, I think you're, you're, you're right, Ralph. I think it's probably something that infected a lot of schools, and particularly selective academic schools, was an obsession with league tables and results. And what's not often appreciated by parents is that when you just look at a raw league table, particularly for independent schools, all it's telling you is what that, the intake of that school is. You know, essentially, it's saying how selective is that school doesn't actually tell you how good a school actually is because what is missing is the value-added data is what's the difference the school is making to the very bright children or, or whatever children it has who are coming into that school some of the best schools I know uh, are not in any way selective and the difference they make to each child is absolutely tremendous so just headline results to some extent are meaningless what matters, A, I think, long-term, is that we create individuals that know what they want to do, they know how to be successful in the things that they're passionate about, and also that they're prepared to be an adult. Being an adult is not just working 14 hours a day. Yes, sometimes you'll have to work 14 hours a day, and you'll need to work very hard, but, you know, human beings are, are much broader than just working you know we have interests we have hobbies we form relationships you know we have aspirations that lie outside becoming CEO of a company and making lots of money and I think that the job of a school is to give children opportunities to be fully mm. human and to realize what human life offers and yeah you're absolutely right yes we used excellence as one of our core values but for us excellence is, is, is a much more nuanced thing, is, is to be the best person uh, that you can be. And that covers a multiplicity of things. It, it means integrity. It means being having a sense of balance, uh, a degree of courage when it comes to ability to make decisions that are often going to be difficult. It's, it's well known that you know, my children actually go to your school. And actually that's value added of them becoming themselves they they constantly do things that i think wow you know i'm so glad they go to this school because i don't think i've given them that that's come from somewhere but i'm not sure it's entirely from you know just us at home and it must be from school and you know helping them discover what they're passionate about is definitely something that that is coming through and, and it's it's lovely i mean do you think how would you describe your pupils at your school? Because, again, I would say, actually, this isn't, you know, again, I'm, I'm also impressed whenever I speak to any of the other pupils at your school. They, they, they come across as these humans. But how would you describe them? Well, I suppose, yeah, I mean, there's, there's various cliches, aren't there, <laughs> of Bancroftians. 
that they all do double maths, physics and chemistry, want to be engineers or, 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 or economists or things like that. And again, you know, that, to my mind, is just an utterly one-dimensional view of any child, and I would say at any school. You know, all children are far more than just the subjects that they, in the end, choose to specialise in. You know, for instance, last night at the play, we were looking at the fifth form. Now, you'd say, traditionally, your fifth form, who are in their GCSE year, they've had all this interrupted learning, shouldn't they just be focusing on endlessly redoing tests and things like that? Well, actually, seeing children there, some of them will be going on and doing double math for A-level, some of them will be doing theatre studies, some of them will be doing art, some will want to be linguists, some will go on and be social scientists. There's a huge diversity of different things, and yet there, there are they, having performed pretty much from scratch in the last few weeks, Stephen, a really difficult score for Stephen Sondheim's Into the Woods, and actually collaborating together. You know, they were there all weekend... The skills that they learn through that process are just as valuable. You know, you, it's huge learning experience. It's a huge social learning experience. It is an academic process in itself, in a way that most parents, I don't think, realise. You know, you can learn a huge amount on the rugby pitch, uh, on a D of E expedition. The choices that you make when it comes to map reading, where to pitch your tent, you know, when to decide to stop, how as a group to cope when you find yourself you know, stuck, you don't know where you are on the map. Those are great experiences. Those are the experiences, I think, that kind of live with children. Learning to overcome that, learning to deal with disappointment are actually vital. So I suppose, going back to that idea of you know, what is a typical Bancroftian, I, I would say our job is that you know, any Bancroftian is more than any one thing, or two, or three, or four. What we're trying to do is, yes, you know, we are selective at that point of intake, and that's just what the school does. That's, yeah, fine. We are a selective school. We select academically at age 11, and if you join us at 16, we do select academically. But p- the reason we do that is that once you're here, you know, everybody has so, such potential, and to properly realise that talent, that ability... You know, we want children to take advantage of all the different opportunities that we have. The reason why we run such a wide range of different clubs and societies and opportunities and trips and different subjects and sports and activities is that no one child will, you know, is the same as another. Every child will find different things to be passionate about, whether it's, you know, one child will love fencing, they'll also love playing the piano. Another child would be passionate about chess, but also absolutely fascinated by birdwatching. Our job is nurturing these individual fascinations and talents. So it's developing individuals, developing you know, that path for each child so they can make really good choices about what they want to be, what they might be, but at the same time giving them opportunities to work in groups, to be able to iron out those sense of, you know, it's all very good being an individual, but you know, m- nearly every... Every, you know, life is not a solitary, you know, unless you want to be a hermit. And it's fine, we might have one or two want to go and be hermits, but most of our children don't. And they will be engaging with human beings in their life. So learning those social skills is absolutely vital. And just thinking back to sort of if, so in terms of before they arrive at your school, given everything you said, do you, do you think there's, are there things that parents could do prior to that secondary education? If you were advising 
parents of primary education, you know, for children in primary education, what should they be doing that will be developing these types of beliefs, habits, values in their children so they can capitalise on these experiences at schools like yours? I think the main thing I would say is foster a love of learning in a broad sense. So don't, ju- don't, don't see any one set of subjects or, gr- or narrow group of subjects as more important than any other. Because, you know, whatever you are studying, whatever you are doing, whatever activity you're doing, those are learning opportunities. So foster a sort of authentic fascination and curiosity. Curiosity is, is, is our first value. Everything starts with curiosity. And I think parents, I think sometimes, I mean, no, no parent willingly stifles curiosity because every parent really wants their child to thrive. But inadvertently, we can sometimes stifle curiosity mm-hmm. by implying that certain subjects are more important than others, that certain activities are more important than others, that actually a particular fascination you know, could be dangerous. Well, yeah, I would agree. Don't spend hours playing computer games. You know, excess in certain areas can be counterproductive. But again, you know, I don't think there's ever too much, too much good reading that can take place. <laughs> but don't be too prescriptive about the type of books or the range of books. You know, I think a lot of schools promote this idea that the only decent reading is fiction. Mm. We're living in an absolute golden age for reading in so many different genres. You know, whether it's graphic novels, whether it's non-fiction, there's popular science books that are absolutely wonderful. You know, there's so much history that is accessible for children that is absolutely fascinating. So I think fascination and curiosity, that's parents' job. And also loving children, you know, sort of unconditionally. You know, just because a child doesn't do well. I I think promoting making mistakes is really important preparation for coming to Bancroft's. Often parents think that you're preparing children not to make mistakes. Actually, we learn best through making mistakes. So trying to push yourself, always pushing those boundaries of learning, always thinking, well, okay, I've tried that, I've tried a new... You know, what's a new way I could do that? Could I be more adventurous in the way that I'm learning? Is there a new skill that I haven't learned? I do think as well there's quite a narrow view in Britain about languages. And I I do think for some parents... There's an assumption that somehow languages aren't that important. We've got, you know, in a world of Google Translate, you know, somehow, you know, maybe there's, there's, there's less, 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 less point in learning, learning languages. I think everything we know about bilingualism and multilingualism shows that learning languages is an astonishing cognitive development for children. It's an amazing... It gives you additional lives that I think for, for parents who aren't, who, who don't don't necessarily they think it in a, it purely in a functional way and yet it's wonderful to go to a different culture and everyone says well okay you just learn one language but if you learn one language really well you can learn other languages mm-hmm. you know i've got friends who in their professional lives have ended up by now in their their 50s speaking five or six languages and they did that for the foundation of having learned one language really really well at school mm-hmm. or in some cases two so I think take languages seriously because I think that gives children another life and, and a huge range of possibilities and a way as well of understanding other humans and difference and different ways of doing things. And I think that, again, develops the flexibility 
uh, of realising there's m always more than one way, really, of doing something, mm. most of the time. I mean, yeah, maybe with computers, everything is binary. You know, you, you, are, you either do this or that. Uh, but so many decisions in life that we make are not just binary options. We'll be, we'll be faced with conundra where there isn't necessarily a best path to follow, but we just have to make a decision. And therefore, being able to envisage and having the flexibility to really make those choices on the back, which are authentic and based of what you feel you're really passionate about, I think that's the best guide, best ability that we can give children. I don't know whether that fully answers your question. Simon, I'm, I'm a little bit conscious of time. I don't want you to be late for your, for your interview that's coming up next. But one of the things you mentioned earlier was that, that human beings have hobbies. Just tell us a little bit about the hobbies that you're into right now. Oh, gosh. <laughs> this might take some time. Well, I've already mentioned reading. I love activity. I love cycling. I love running. I like climbing. I'm passionate about mountaineering. And I love being in the mountains. Cooking. I mean, there's, there's no end. I'm, again, for me, you know, being a teacher means that I have the opportunity for, for, for more than one life because I have holidays. And I think in holidays, you can pursue a multiplicity of interests. So, yeah, I, holidays are always too short. But I think, in a way, the great thing about being a teacher is you can take a fascination with loads of different things and bring them into school. So I've taught in my time... Uh, Latin, Greek, ancient history, English, history, philosophy, and, and dabbled in various other things. And I think that my interests helped me, I think, to engage with children, to engage, to support children in different ways. So, A, they're, you know, brilliant for me. I, they help me to grow, they help me to live, you know. But I think they, they've also been very much at the core of what my approach to teaching is. So, yeah, a lot of my time I've spent as an English teacher, but again, with English teacher, you're, you're just reading things in English. So, you know, I'll, I'll set books about science as much as I will, you know, books of arcane poetry. So that, maybe that gives you some ideas. Sounds perfect. Um, Ralph, before we finish, is there anything else you wanted to ask? No, I mean, well... There's, there's loads I could ask you about, Simon. I mean, you're, you're fascinating to listen to and, and inspiring. So, no, I, I think it's, uh, just, just to protect Simon's time, I think I'd better just stay quiet, really, but other, just to say thank you for, for, for doing this. Okay, well, it's been great to have the opportunity to, to talk on a Friday morning. Definitely livens up a Friday. And I suppose the only thing I would add is I would just say any parent who is interested in Bancrofts, come and meet, not, not, not really me, Come and meet our children. Come mm. talk to them because the school is about children and it's about the experiences and the opportunities that they have. And, you know, heads are very good at being, doing publicity and, and puffing a school. And, you know, we, we, we like to give a rosy view of things. But ask kids. They, they will be honest. They, will, they won't lie. They'll tell about the school, warts and all. And actually, you know, our job is to listen to them so that we become a better school. So I would welcome anyone to come here. I mean, at least we can come here now. <laughs> yeah. uh, the last 18 months have been a nightmare. You know, people relying on, you know, speaking to us, you know, obviously podcasts are great and, you know, doing online open days and we've tried. But, you know, our, our job really is best experienced in person, walking around the school, getting a feel for the place. And I think it's not just parents. I think it's, it's the children. What kind of school does your child really feel? Do they, where do they feel they fit in? 
get them to come and have the courage to speak to some of our children, to ask them questions, and to see what life is like for them. Because in the end, you know, it's a precious seven years. It goes really quickly. And in the end, I just want children to make the right choice for them so that they can have a really good time and take full advantage uh, of what we have to offer. Very well said. So thank you very much. It's really been good, good to chat to you this morning. Thanks very much, Simon. Thanks very much for your time. Thank you. So, Ralph, that was that was Simon Marshall from Bancroft. Uh, what did you think about that? Yeah, you always ask me this, I think, and I'm, I'm never quite sure where to start. There, are, I mean, I've written so many things down, so many things. I wrote down um, authentic fascination. I, I, I thought that was a great I phrase. I love that phrase. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I've written that down. I think I'm going to steal it. <laughs> <laughs> I'll credit it, Simon, both of you, but, you know, I, I just, I, I love that phrase. That's, I mean, that is genuinely, I mean, all schools... Like Simon said, you know, they've got curiosity as one of their their values. I th- we've got curiosity as one of our values. We have four virtues and under which there are a number of values that underpin those virtues. And one of those is curiosity. Mm-hmm. There's probably not a school that somewhere doesn't mention curiosity. But I thought authentic fascination really summed it up because that sense of fascination is when you're it, it gets across an idea of passion and you know, you can be curious about a lot. I mean, we encourage you, you know, to ask questions. And if you're always asking questions, how does that happen? How does that work? Why does that happen? How could it be better? Mm. That's great. I mean, I, 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 gen, I, I sort of, th- I always say to the children at school that questions are the, are the windows we look through. So the questions will frame what we think about. So if you say to yourself, what am I bad at? Your brain, no matter what you are good at, your brain will give you the answers about what you're bad at. So it's really important we consider our questions because they are the windows that we look through. And so curiosity is is really important, but that sense of yeah, it coming from your own interests and just doing something. And I think again that you know he spoke so passionately and advocated the case very clearly for not narrowing your child's interests to just maths and English. Mm. There is there is a real you know there is a there, there has been over the last. Well, for you know, the last 20 years since I've been in education, it's all been about maths and English. And we understand sort of why, you know, I, I guess that's partly SATS driven because basically whatever gets measured gets done. Hmm. Hmm. So, you know, since we brought in SATS, maths and English is what's yeah. getting measured. So that gets done. That gets its importance. But actually, really, you know, the reason, the bigger reason under those is how we communicate and how we think. I think hmm. when you learn a language, so, you know, I suppose our native language is English it's actually at its best it helps you organize your thoughts and when we're doing maths we're not doing arithmetic maths is about solving problems logically and those skills can be applied elsewhere in life too and but you need you can't solve a problem if you don't have underlying knowledge so that's why you need the broad curriculum because uh, yeah like I say you know you you can't just take a set of math skills and apply them to history but there is that logical thinking that is congruent to both. So keeping children, allowing children the space to develop that, that wide range of interests. And something that, you know, when he, uh, I think Simon asked, you know, or I think you said to me, actually, have you got any other questions for Simon? This is very confusing. There's too many Simons in this uh, podcast. But you, yes, I think you said to me, Simon, that, you know, have you got any other questions? And, I, and the one that I really wanted to ask, but I just thought, no, this, I don't think Simon, Simon's got time to answer it. But is I sort of think that actually it's when we have a broad range of interests, 
that actually leads to greater creativity because I still think creativity is where you take ideas from hitherto unassociated areas and bring them together. So, you know, to some degree, I'm not sure it's a brilliant example, I'm thinking of thinking as I talk, but, you know, the, the iPod and hence everything else, you know, comes from Steve Jobs' fascination with music, his fascination with computers, and wanting to join those two together to make it easy to access the biggest jukebox you could ever own. Hmm. You know, I think, I, I don't know if that's true. I, I, I sort of suspect that's roughly true. But hmm. again, anybody out there who, who is, you know, <laughs> much better place to talk about um, that, I'm happy to take corrections. But yeah, so I mean, it was, it was, it was fascinating. With authenticity, authentic fascination. Absolutely. I mean, again, you know, he finished with, he said, oh, look, come and meet our children. And actually, I would second that because I'm always impressed when I meet the children at Bancroft. They're so, there's a sense of calmness. There's a sense of studiousness. There's a levity, not a, a silliness or a, a, there's no hijinks, but everyone seems very happy and it's a very warm I find it a very warm place mm. and you know and, and I've, I've asked the, the pupils that I've met there on the sort of official tours and I've said oh you know how do you find it they those are the types of those are the feelings that they 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 express so I def I would definitely recommend you know mm. going along and chatting to the children well I think we need to bring this episode to a close but uh, of course if anyone's listening to this podcast and wants to know more about either Snaresbrook or Bancroft's then just search either on social media but our next episode is coming out soon so in the meantime thank you for listening to this episode thank you for listening to Simon at Bancroft's and of course for listening to head teacher Ralph Dalton bye for now Ralph do you want to say goodbye as well oh yeah bye for now everyone <laughs> bye for now bye bye <laughs>